Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. On this week's Sportlight Podcast, we're going to talk to former collegiate basketball player and coach and professional basketball player, Allie Bills, and she's going to share just some incredible advice. She talks about the mental preparation for games. She talks about visualization. She talked about nutrition. She gives advice to team captains on how to be a great leader. She talks about within season maintenance when it comes to sports and some things to think about, and then shares her feelings on the eyes up, do the work message. It was an incredible interview as always with Allie. We've had her on before. She's great. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Well, Allie, how are you? I'm doing great, and it's so good to be back here again. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We always love having you at our events and also having you on the podcast. For For those who don't know, Allie played college basketball, has played many sports, uh, currently does a ton of of CrossFit stuff. I don't know, adventure stuff. We're going to get into that. It's awesome. Anything to keep your body healthy and to have an adventure and to learn a lesson and but Ali, also you coached in, played in the WNBA for a little while, played professional, and also have coached collegiately for women's basketball. And so you bring a wealth of knowledge every time you come and speak to us on the podcast or at our events. And we always appreciate it and love what you share. So thanks, thanks so for joining much, us. Thank you very much. And this is my favorite time of year. So I'm happy to be on. I bet basketball season starting up everywhere and it's an exciting time. It so. is. Well, actually, I want to start with some of the adventures you've been on recently. Uh, you love to go and and to go out into the world and to experience these difficult things, these physically challenging things, but it always seems to be geared toward learning a lesson in addition to challenging yourself. And And I would love to hear what some of your adventures have been recently and what you've learned from those and, and any great lessons you've taken that you could share with us. You bet. Well, kind of what got me started into doing these adventures is that I was standing next to Jaron Hall speaking in front of all these kids. And, and uh, you know, you got the starting quarterback of BYU and then you have a has-been standing next to him and nobody knows your name or where you're from or what you've done. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to stay relevant? How am I going to relate to these kids? But also in the process, you know, there's such a big part of me that's always been involved in athletics, that's always pushed me in different areas of life to be disciplined, to work harder. And and that's carried over into work, but it's very different than when you do something physical. It's measurable. It's it's something that you can look back and, and see the strides that you've made. And it's super fulfilling to me when it is physical. And so, you know, I just thought, how how can I stay progressive athletically, even though I'm at a different phase in my life? And I, I got involved in a, an adventure mastermind group. And we really focus on taking on the mindset of staying uncomfortable, doing hard things, being challenged, and never limiting ourselves through our belief system as to what we can and can't do. 
um, really valuing time and understanding that there will be a point in our lives where maybe we just can't do certain things. So taking full advantage of where I am right now, not expecting to be where I was in college, but knowing I am very well capable to do so much still and to take full advantage of that. And so I started on an adventure in Minnesota where we went out to a frozen lake. We camped on the lake. We did 6 a.m. yoga on the frozen lake. We cut into three feet of ice and we got in the cold lake um, three minutes at 32 degrees. And that process of just breathing through the cold, of learning to focus, learning to shut things out, uh, not only does it take that focus I just talked about, but it's very fulfilling. I mean, I don't know one person that just loves cold water, <laughs> but at a certain point you embrace it. And when you get out of it, you know, you've, you have done something really hard and you've been very uncomfortable. And there's a shift that happens in you when you do something uncomfortable successfully, or when you take something on that you're afraid of and you overcome it. Um, being in that cold for three days and having to uh, learn to breathe, learn to be still, and to think about different things, to think about nothing. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but it's very difficult. I'm constantly telling my mind, and we're back, and we're back. It just wants to go another direction. But there's just these different skills I wish I would have known younger. And when I was competing as an athlete that have really taken me to a different level mentally in that mental toughness aspect in game, but also would have incredibly helped my game physically. Uh, so that was the first adventure was just this whole cold experience and being in the frozen lake, camping overnight, 17 below, uh, doing yoga at 6 a.m. on the ice, moving forward into um I hiked a mountain 36 hours, the equivalent of Everest. The goal is to be on that mountain the whole time. To come down the mountain, we always say turn right, go right back up the mountain. If you turn left, you're going to go get a massage. You're going to get some food. You're going to get some treatment. And believe me, you're not going to get back up on that mountain. So, so kind of when you come down and you want to take a break, having that ability to turn right and look at that challenge ahead and one step at a time being present, going right back up that mountain. And that's applicable and can be used as a whole other podcast of the lessons learned on that mountain. Yeah. And about myself, uh, another challenge I just went to was in Atlanta and it was in the just the country, the North Forest in Atlanta. And we had a Navy SEAL come and he took us on a land navigation project and we were put in teams and this kind of goes into, I think our topic today, we were put in teams and we had uh, four navigators in charge of the compass and, and the map and the topography. And then we had two uh, note takers. We had an LPO kind of the Sergeant, and then we had two squad leaders and we had to understand the chain of command that you kind of have that LPO, kind of that head coach. And then you have these squad leaders, kind of like captains. And then you have the navigators and they have their role on the team without them. Obviously, we won't end up where we're supposed to be. All faith and confidence needs to go into them. And keep in mind, they've never done this before. So we were all new at this. And so it definitely took us longer than 
uh, a Navy still. And then these note takers and just being able to, to everyone jump into their role, accept their role, become as expert as they could be as quick as possible in their role. But the head coach wasn't allowed or that LPO wasn't allowed to communicate. He had to talk to the captains or the squad leaders who then had to talk to the team. The team could talk to the squad leaders who then took the information to the captain or to the head coach or that LPO. And it was an interesting change of command, but you couldn't have 10 voices. You had to let the person in charge of their role take responsibility for it. And uh, our team was awesome. We were killing it in the first three uh places we had to go. And at every location, we had to do some type of a challenge, which could knock points or minutes off our time. First challenge would be clay pigeon shooting. The other was bow and arrow. Another was starting a fire and and having it burn high enough to burn out a rope. If you've watched Survivor, you're very familiar. (laughs) And then the fourth was to create a shelter. And we had to work together to do those things. There was small instruction uh, to do that. And we did awesome and we built a lot of confidence in our team. But on our fourth point, we were an hour and a half still left to complete the mission. And we actually had a little mistake on our navigation, which took us far past our point, which would have taken us 30 minutes, ended up taking us two hours. We were a half hour late getting back. We had to do a penalty drill that took another half hour and everyone got to watch because we were the only team that didn't get in on time. And, you know, putting your trust in that navigation team was really important. And they were the experts. We didn't dive into learning their role. So we had to trust them. And so anyway, these experiences are so relatable to life. But I look back all the time and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's just like when I was playing or coaching, you know, having to put trust in those teammates, the responsibility they felt, the pressure they felt to make sure they're getting their job done. But but to really take ownership of your role, your responsibility, and then the communication. You can't have 10 people talking at a time. But you really have to trust the person that's the voice for the team, too. And so when we got back, the Navy SEAL, he talked about teamwork, and he talked about the number one thing they look like, look for in a teammate as a Navy SEAL. What do you think that would be? That's a good question. Reliability? That's a great one, but even more simple. Huh. Yeah, give it to me. Selflessness. That's awesome. When you're out there, you can only imagine there's just not any room for it being about me or I. Um, You know, there's so much risk involved. But the teammate that's always aware of the people around them and, you know, capable of their own self-check while also being mindful of, of everybody else. He said it's rare and it really separates people uh, at that level to be completely selfless in a high pressure, intense, extreme situation. But I love that because That's I can't awesome. think of a situation as a family member, you know, spouse, as a teammate, as a friend, where that isn't the most important thing, you know, and it's oftentimes it's hard at different phases in our life. We become really self-focused and you have to be in a sense, but you don't have to be selfish. And I think that that that's a tough thing to overcome because we're constantly trying to prove ourselves that we forget about the awareness of others. And I think there's a lot of maturity that goes into being aware of others 
while also performing at, at your best, you know, and focusing on your game and your role. And we would say that eyes up, you know, looking Absolutely. out, not Absolutely. focused in, looking out, eyes up, and then do the work, selfless work to, to yeah. do that. You have to be selfless to live the, the mantra of eyes up, do the work. So. Definitely. Definitely. Well, to round out kind of these events, our biggest thing is just, you know, how to be healthy and have longevity. And, and one of the biggest practices we do, and I'm still trying to get you and, and Dustin on board in this, is um, it's a consistent sauna, cold plunge, hot, cold therapy, mindfulness, breathing, and just the health benefits that come from doing those things. And again, sitting in the sauna feels really good and it actually gets you prepared to get in the cold water. But there's just there's just something about getting in cold water over and over and over again that it never gets easier. You just feel more prepared. Hmm. You get more prepared to do the hard thing, but you also start to crave it. You start to cre- crave the next hard thing or the next harder thing. And that's, I want to say the negative, which is also a great positive, is every time I do one of these half marathons or ever hiking or these overnight cold adventures or whatever they might be, I leave there thinking what's next because I'm on this natural high and it's super fulfilling, but I can feel the effect it has not only on me, but on the people around me in my life. My last little hot cold therapy session was with my family. I just posted it and I had a brother and sister and nephew and brother and sister-in-laws come and you know, I want my family to be a part of this with me. So a big part of that growth is to take the people I care about on the journey as well. That's awesome, Allie. And I really want to go and cold plunge. I just want to do that, say that for the record. So you keep sending those texts and my we'll wife. We'll get it on actually. the calendar. Do you remember last time I said, there's no chance you're getting my wife, uh, but uh, I'll do it. Well, my wife was like, I'll do that. Absolutely. So, you know what? I'll probably get go. her there before you, but no, we're we're putting <laughs> it on the calendar and we're starting 2023 with a, a cold dip. Deal. Deal. Yeah. That That's awesome. Can I go back a little bit with something that you said You bet. at the beginning? You talked about how you've learned in this process, cold therapy, other things to bring your mind back to center, you know, to, to try to think about nothing. And then you you bring your mind back and you said i w- that would have really helped me as an athlete if you could do that can you delve into that just a teeny bit more what are you thinking there what are you seeing that you know now that you wish you would have known then and how could a young athlete maybe develop the capacity to do that I think when, as a young athlete or in general, we, we have these outside distractions, you know, whether it's a teammate, whether it's a coach, whether it's your parents that, what do they think? What are they saying? What's the crowd going to think of me? We're, we're really concerned about, um, our performance in the eyes of everybody else. Right. And mm-hmm. we even have distractions that it's just like in school or whatever. And, and you're doing something it's like squirrel. And we talk about that all the time, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we often say, Oh, it's just ADD or whatever. And it, what it is, it's just a, a lack of focus and attention to focus in our lives. And, and we don't take the time as much as we should or could to to stay in a focused state for more than two to three minutes. And so we're easily distracted. 
And so, you know, doing meditation techniques, we talk about it all the time and I'm horrible. I am horrible. But in talking to some of the best athletes in the world and you look at endurance athletes because they're doing one thing for a very long time and they call it boringly consistent for a reason. As we prepare as athletes and we go and we get shots in the gym and we do this and that, you know, what are we thinking about? Are there distractions? You know, when there's not a game or a clock or a team, think about when you are, and people say this all the time, you go in the gym and you shoot free throws. If you could go 90 for a hundred, then in the game, you're most likely going to go about 75 out of a hundred because of the added distraction. Imagine if we could carry that over to a game. So we have that ability to stay in the moment, to stay focused and to block out any of those distractions because our mind is so good at staying present and we can practice that it's a muscle and so in doing meditation you know focusing on something uh and trying not to think have you ever just not thought about anything it it is very interesting or just your breathing is still thinking about something just focus on nothing and see where your mind goes and then bring it back see where your mind goes and bring it back and and I was talking to an endurance athlete, James Lawrence, Iron Cowboy, and uh, Chad Wright, the Navy SEALs, an ultra runner, uh, Jesse Itzler, he's an ultra athlete. Every single one of them, at a certain point in their race or their event, after they get through the checklist of everything in life and their brain's busy, they go to a place where they think about nothing. And that is where great things happen. That is where we can be subconscious. That is where we can get in the flow state. And that is something we can practice just every day of meditation, of not being distracted, not worrying about what other people think. And, and keeping in mind that our minds can only think about one thing at a time. So if it's truly trying to think about nothing and focusing on one point or just your breathing, the outside distractions can't come into play. And again, it's a muscle and something to work on. A lot of times we develop it over time. And right when we get really good out of it, our career ends. And we're like, wait a minute, I wish I could do that better. But if younger, if younger athletes would just say, you know what, to start visualization, we'll talk about that later. Before I start visualizing my, my game and my performance, I'm just going to breathe. And I'm just going to focus on the dark that I see with my eyes closed or on that mountain point and I'm just going to look at it and focus and breathe and do that for 30 seconds and then a minute. Feel the stillness. But I think what's really fun when you come out of that is to see where your mind goes, see where your mind takes you. You know, there's a lot of creativity that, that we ignore in ourselves too, because we get distracted by a thing. Yeah, that's great. And maybe this would be, you know, I gave you a few questions that we could discuss beforehand. And maybe I'll go down to one we were going to do a little later. But how do you try to mentally prepare for games? You've played at the highest levels and you've coached at the highest levels. And how do you this might go into a little bit of what you're talking about this consistency, Justin Sua once said on our podcast, in order to be great, you need to embrace the boredom of consistency that doing doing things so consistently that it's second nature that it's almost boring to do 
And, and we often think of dribbling or shooting, but if I hear you correctly, one thing that would really help someone mentally prepare for games and for competition is to take time each day to learn to focus and to bring your mind back and to, to do a little meditation and things like that. Would you elaborate on that? And then anything else you would like to say about mentally preparing for for games or practices or or things like that i think human nature is we want routine we want structure and we perform really well out of that routine and structure adding in a little bit of variety here and there keeps us on our toes but as as a whole we really progress well through structure and if you look up hashtag boringly consistent you'll see some of the best athletes of all time posting in that world and it's true it's it's just what separates the good from the great is those that are willing to day in and day out do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again in order to be the best at what they're doing and expert we talk about the number of hours it takes to be an expert at anything it's no different you know even in in mental preparation i think that we talk about getting into the flow state and we want to put ourselves in a place where our mind doesn't have to think and the only way it doesn't have to think is if it already knows what's coming next and so i always thought of that as an athlete we just talked before coming on the podcast You know, when I played in college, I had several knee surgeries, ACL tears. I've had ACL tears after I have another ACL surgery tomorrow. In the process of all of this, I have been able to really appreciate the power of our mind and our ability to visualize because our mind, our body doesn't know the difference between what we see in our mind and what we actually do on the court. The greatest key to confidence, I believe, is preparation. And think about it. If we don't have time at night, hey, dad, will you take me to the gym to shoot? Can we go and get some some minutes on the court? It's like, we have no way to get there, snowstorm, I don't have a car right now, whatever. What's something you can do to get in that practice to give you the confidence to dominate a game? Do it in your mind. Your body doesn't know the difference. It's just we're not really good at focusing to do that. We'd rather just go out and physically do it than to sit down, take the time, and do it in our minds. You want to know the coolest thing about doing it in your mind versus doing it on the court is you can do it perfect in your mind. And not just that. You should see me dunk. In my mind, I can throw it down. But when I get on that court, I'm not even close. But the beauty of that is the emotion that comes with throwing it down and I feel gives me a confidence, it's real and it transfers to my game. And so when we talk about mental preparation, it starts with, you know, routine in the morning of a game. What am I thinking about? What am I eating? And then before game time, before I have to be at the gym, I spend 30 minutes of visualization before I get in the shower. I always like to go clean to the game, showered, and so that I can then get as dirty as I want. And it's a a fresh dirty for that game. And that's new sweat. And it's all about that event. And then, you know, I can measure it at the end. But that 30 minutes of visualization, I play that entire game in my mind before I even step on that court. 
I work on that skill over and over and over again in my mind before I go to practice and do it wrong one more time. And Michael Jordan said it best. He said, if everybody knew what I knew about the power of the mind and visualization, then everyone would be doing it. And I wouldn't have separated myself from everybody else the way that I did. Mm. It was all through visualization. And I think that, you know, even just through all the stress of the world we live in, all the pressures of, of being great, uh, pressures from coaches, from parents, we can go to that place in our mind and we can have our own experience. There's no one yelling at you. There's no one telling you you're not good enough. I mean, you remember, you have to be your greatest fan as well. You have to be the coach you hope to have someday to yourself. And you have to be your biggest advocate. And that's what the power of this, this mental preparation we talk about is be all those things in your life that make you great. Be the best friend, be the supporter, be the parent that encourages you, be the coach that thinks you're great. But that's the only conversation we're having. There's no room for I can't, I don't, you can't, you won't, you never will. This is all about I am and not what I'm not. Hmm. And those are the, the conversations we have. And we can do actually a whole podcast on visualization, kind of the steps to it, the process of it, the importance of being relaxed going into it. And also, one thing I learned is I found an anchor. My dad was a hypnotherapist. I was really lucky. I went through several knee surgeries using hypnosis. And that visualization was a big part of my recovery. And after my ACL surgery, I mean, all these things I've done with no ACL this last year. And a big part of that is the ability to, to visualize and to use my mind to be strong enough, to be healed enough, to, to still compete at a high level without an ACL. Hmm. Now it's time to get that fixed, but um, then you'll be needed, superwoman. I needed a holiday to do that to fit it in. <laughs> um, but the consistency, the routine, and everyone can come up with their own. A lot of people talk about superstitions that kind of plays into that routine of the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but in those routines, it has to be everything about you feeling great about you, you doing all you can to of being I am. And I am great. I can dunk. You can throw it down. You can, whatever it is, whether you're a dancer, an athlete, a cheerleader, it's you're your biggest fan while you're seeing yourself perform in your mind in a very relaxed state. And then when you're done, get yourself ready to go and you don't look back and your body, your body will have felt like it just did all of that. And you will take that confidence with you into your performance. And that's where we all of a sudden get these outside distractions. You go into the game and you start in this great state of mind. And then all of a sudden you hear, what are you doing? Or you can't or no, and immediately it falls apart. And that's where we have to have the ability to bring it back. Yeah. And those little sessions, two, 30 second minutes, one minute, of focusing and bringing it back can get you back to that place that you created in those visualization sessions. That's great. So for a kid who's listening to this or a parent of a, of a young person who plays and can you just give us a cliff note version of 
that 30 minutes before a game, someone who's never even thought before about visualization. And let, let's set it since we're starting basketball season right now. Let's yeah. just set it in a basketball setting. 30 minutes before, there's a young lady out there who's getting ready to play her first high school basketball game this this week. She hears this and she's like, I want to do that. I I want to try it. What would you what would you do during that 30 minutes? Yep. And I know you've touched on this, but if you were to just yep. summarize it for someone during that 30 minutes, do this, what would you say? So first of all, let's say that you aren't in your room. It doesn't matter where you are. You want to be alone where it's quiet. You want to find a place where you can sit down or lay down, just close your eyes. And you're going to take three deep breaths in through your nose, hold it, out through your mouth. You do that three times. As you go in through your nose, you feel that cool air come in, hold it, let out every emotion, anything negative, can almost see it as a color coming out, a dark color coming out. Feel yourself relax. It might take five breaths depending on where, where you're at coming into this exercise. From there, you're going to get relaxed. You're just going to start with the bottom of your feet, Move up your muscles and your legs, your quads, your stomach, your arms, just feeling relaxed as you continue to breathe. We want to be in a relaxed state, an emotional state, while we visualize so we can bring in that level of confidence that doesn't also exist with anxiety or stress. So we want to be very relaxed. And when we do this, once we feel relaxed, then we want to pick out your best performance in your life ever. And you want to go back and either watch yourself play that game or some people are better at feeling it and you're going to create the game you're going to play. Either option is great. Some people are better watching themselves in a video, play that game, and some people can actually feel themselves doing this in their minds. See, see the tip off. If you're jumping up, you're getting up, not just a foot, but three feet higher than everyone, tipping that away. You can play the entire game, grab that ball, turn your legs around the back to the layup, to the pull-up jumper, the crowd goes wild. Create whatever you want. Allow that, but the emotion that comes with it. If you make a basket, you're going to pump that fist. You're also going to do that in real life. You want to you can move while you're visualizing if you want to pump a fist and you want to set that anchor or trigger to something positive, do that. Play that game. When you do something good, say yes, you know, just under your breath or just yes with the pump of a fist. Defensively, you know you're going against someone quick. How are you going to guard them? What were the tendencies the coaches told you to guard them with? You're going to play that defense. Perfect. Go through your own plays in your mind, the own defensive scheme through your mind. Any words the coach says, if you're having problems with it, go through it three or four times in your mind. If you don't know the play, go through that play three or four times in your mind so you know it perfect. The cool thing about visualizing is you can do it just your position or you can look at the whole play as a whole and know the whole play, which makes you even better. Now you know where everybody goes. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do by the end of that game, you are ending on a slam dunk, a three-pointer for a game win or coming off a screen, a play called for you, getting a stop, getting a rebound if that's your role, being the defensive stopper, you end on a very high emotional note. 
And then you have something that you say, let's go. When that happens, you take three deep breaths, really aware of that emotion, open your eyes, lay there, sit there for a second, and then say it again, let's go. That will put you in a place, if you consistently do that, that routine, being boringly consistent, and you walk out on that court, imagine you just did something. No one else just played a game or a half at that level of intensity with that perfection. No one else did that. Hmm. Just you. You're going into that game right here. Everyone else is down here. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, Allie. That's, yeah. man, now I wish I could go back to myself when I was, uh, you know, 15 year old high school basketball player and say, hey, here's some things you should do. So that's awesome. Can I get your advice? You've been a team leader, you've been a coach. We have team captains out there who've been appointed team captains recently, and sometimes they don't get a lot of coaching in that realm of, of the game. Would you give some advice? to team leaders and captains? You know, I always think about the saying where much is given, much is required when it comes to leadership and captains. It's such an honor to have that role and very humbling at the same time. I think the biggest key, and and really I think of the best leaders in my life. I think of the people that I wanted to emulate. What was it about them that made them impact me so much, that made me want to be better, that made me like want to play well for them? Even though I'm competitive, I also was a pleaser, especially as a female. We, we like to please and compete. And guys aren't that different, you know? And I do believe that the biggest thing is as a leader, you have to show you care first. You have to genuinely care about your teammates or your players and your coworkers, whoever you're over. You have to care about them, and they know that. It's transparent. If you're a captain and you only care about yourself going back to that being selfless, then you're never going to be respected, and you're never going to have reached the potential you can as a leader because they know you care about you first. But really genuinely caring about the people that you have that stewardship over or that you're trying to lead, be the spokesperson for, is is the number one thing. And if you have teammates that don't respect you or maybe that, that you don't have a relationship with, get to know them. Get to know why they're the way they are. Get to know them off the court. That's why a lot of things off the court, off the field are super powerful. That's where we really bond. Go sit in a cold plunge together and you'll really bond, I promise. And it'll be something you'll never forget and talk about forever. But you got to find a way to connect with every single person. That's what makes that real hard. And to really understand them so you can care about them in the way they deserve to be cared about. From there, expect greatness. Once you have a relationship, once you have at least shown that they are important to you, you can expect greatness. And, you know, my coach, it was so funny. I, Elaine Elliott that I played for at the University of Utah was phenomenal. And, you know, I would say not everyone loved her, but everyone respected her. And I think you have to understand there's a difference in, and being respected is more important. You can't always control, you know, if people like you or not. If you feel good about how you're treating everybody, you can live with that. Mm-hmm. But you can't control if they like you or not. But if they respect you in the end, then then you've probably done your job. 
And for some people, they just can't have that role because they, it's way too important for them to be liked, you know, but I will tell you this, if I fouled and it was a stupid foul, she would get on that ref so hard, even though I really did foul. She wouldn't yell at me yet. She'd get on that ref first. She'd be my advocate first. And then I'd come over and say, what are you thinking? You know, we can't get in foul trouble. That was a stupid foul. But it wasn't something she got on me for in front of everybody and just had an emotional response. She got on that ref. She was my advocate. And then she's like, quit doing that. I was dumb, you know. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that. I respected that. She she handled that great. She told me what I needed to work on. She didn't make it the whole emotion of the event. She was my advocate first. And so being selfless first, expecting greatness second, and never expecting anyone to work harder than you are willing to work as a leader or a captain, never expecting them to, to do something you're not willing to do yourself. You can lead, be a great leader just leading by example. You don't have to say anything. Our greatest leaders also teach. But if you can lead by example and they can see, gosh, this person serves, they love. Some of my favorite leaders are actually at the water, water uh, at the water jug, getting water for all their teammates as captains. You know, they're just showing they're not above any of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're the first, they're just so selfless. They're so humble. Uh, they take on that, that responsibility to somehow have to affect and influence an entire team. But they're also in the role of um, probably having to be a leader score, leading scorer, defender, or something in it as well. I mean, there's a lot of pressure that comes with being a leader. It can be lonely at the top. But I think the rewarding part about being a leader is that you learn to love a lot of different types of people and you learn to communicate in really hard situations. We talk about being uncomfortable and doing hard things. Being a leader is not easy. Um, But I just think that if you can make it about them and not about you, if you can expect greatness, but be the first to show it, you'll be very successful. That's awesome. I got those three things. So first one, seek to connect first, get to know them, get to love them, value them. Second, expect greatness. And then third, never expect them to work harder than you're willing to work yourself. Yeah. That's awesome. Great advice, Allie. So as we approach basketball season here, uh, I'm wondering about within practice we we've talked about the the mental side of the game and i'm wondering about sometimes we have this routine and then we start the season and you get in this rhythm of of practice and play practice and play practice and play yeah and then sometimes some of the maintenance that we've been doing in the in the summer or fall you know as you begin that basketball season in the case of basketball some of it kind of falls off and some players begin to digress throughout the season because of that do you have any advice what it could look like having played college basketball and what would a good within season maintenance program workout program getting up the shots getting the dribbles in getting all those things Do you have any advice about what you learned throughout that process of high school, college, and professional basketball that would be beneficial for those who are just beginning their season? Yeah, you know, I think that before the season even starts, we get on this emotional ramp and this physical training so that we can just, just make the team compete and start in a really good and healthy place. 
some seasons are really long. Basketball, I loved. It was, you know, it was what from October until March. And so it, it covered a big part of school. And when you're in college, that means you're missing a lot of school and traveling a lot, but yeah. um, and making up a lot of homework. But but maintaining a very high level of physical ability performance for that long requires what I like to call is a very important self-check very often. I think sometimes we feel like in order to compete, in order to play, I've got to do A, B, C, and D. And maybe you can start out that way, that way to begin with. And I'm talking like, you know what? I've got to put in some extra runs at night. I'm not quite where I want to be. Um, I've got to make sure that I'm getting 100 shots in on the weekend or after practice. Uh, I want to make sure that, um, you know, I'm, I'm going in and, and learning new plays. You have to think about the things that are going to be the most detrimental to your game. Getting up shots, is that going to be detrimental? Probably not. That's going to help you. It's not taking too much out of your physical game. It can build a ton of confidence for your game. Going in and watching extra film is a great way to give a physical break and to go in and to really look at the game different things you can work on. And then going out and doing those extra runs and extra lifts that can cause some wear and tear over time. So starting your season to get to a place where then you can maintain is really important. If you're someone that plays a lot, You've got to listen to your mind body. I mean, it's like all of these three things are are your really good gas. You know, you don't want to go to Circle K. It doesn't probably even exist anymore and fill yourself up with gas. You have to get the the premium gas that, that's going to last the year. And, and those things are going to consist of mind, body, and spirit. I always say that. And so there's times where you can really focus on the mental aspect of like maybe maybe the visualization and going through the shots without the the really hard conditioning, as well as going and watching a lot of film. People just undervalue uh, the power of film and watching yourself play. In fact, most people don't want to because they're like, coach, I promise I did that. And you watch on film and you're like, maybe I didn't. <laughs> and it's same with a parent, you know, my kids are saying they're doing this, this and this, or, you know, and then you show them film and the film never lies. Mm -hmm. And it's very humbling. But I learned more about myself watching myself on film and the critique and, and not taking it to an extreme either that I'm so hard on myself. I'm not going to be perfect. We expect that and we reach greatness because we think we should be. But at a certain point, again, you have to be your biggest advocate and say, okay, I can do this better. I'm going to just focus on this one thing. Don't worry about everything else. And, and just give yourself some things mentally to visualize, to focus on, on the court. But in this maintenance process, it is so, and I'm going to go into the nutritional aspect of that as well awesome. as a separate, but I think the biggest thing physically and mentally speaking is that, you know, we, we have to make sure that throughout the season, I continued lifting. That was a big part of staying injury free, but it wasn't the same as going into the season that shifted. You know, I did extra conditioning at the beginning, but I was playing a lot of minutes. So riding a bike, non-weight bearing, non-intensive, and then giving everything I had in practice was a great conditioning. You know, I left nothing on the court, which I really say, you know, don't ever leave with a bad practice or, or with regrets or, or leaving anything on, on that court. That's your best conditioning you can get, you know? And so I, I think depending on your role, you have to say, you know what, I'm not getting the minutes. I'm starting to feel out of shape. 
go put in the extra time. You don't want any regrets. You don't want to wish you, you, you left something undone or didn't give yourself the best opportunity. You're playing a ton of minutes or, or your shots off, it's just not falling. You're going to go and put the extra time there. So that self-check is really important. It's very subjective. Everybody has their own role, their game, their deficiencies. And at the end of the day, be your big, biggest advocate and maybe taking a day off is exactly what you need. Go home and visualize and again, be your biggest fan, cheer yourself on in your mind. And maybe that's what you need to hear because I'll tell you, you go from high school to college and you have two coaches in the gym. You have four eyes watching you and they're probably watching everyone else. So maybe two to four eyes at the max watching you saying, hey, you need to do this. But guess what? You're also the best on the team. So they're probably not watching you anymore. You go to college, you have four coaches in the gym, eight eyes on you and you're the new freshman coming in. And all of a sudden you're doing everything wrong. And you're like, do I even know how to make a layup anymore? <laughs> Honestly, it happens. It takes your whole freshman year to figure out that you can still play the game of basketball. And so, you know, there's just different needs that we have, but you can, you can still play basketball and you are great. And the fact they're watching you is they just want to make you better so much. But as coaches, we get, we get so excited about coaching that all of a sudden everyone leaves with their tail between their legs, wondering if they, if they can still play the game that they love. And so it's just perspective, a self-check, what your needs are, and really being aware of, of those things. Um, as far as the nutritional side, I think, you know, we talk about that fuel and the good fuel. And it is very important, you know, as a female athlete, I I just thought, you know, if I'm going to play at this level, I'm going to get myself in the best shape of my life. I'm going to see what my body can really do. But my body cannot run without fuel. You know, my body cannot go the distance without fuel. And so I would just make goals for myself and say, you know what, I'm not going to drink carbonation. I'm not going to eat fried foods and I'm not going to eat candy. But everything else is on the table. I need the fuel in order to perform, to be healthy, to get stronger. And the crazy thing was, is for so long, especially for women, but it's like, you know what? The heavier I lift, the bigger I'm going to get. And the truth is, the heavier I lifted, the smaller I got, the stronger I got, and the better I became. And there's this huge misconception there that the bigger we lift, the more we lift, the bigger we'll get as women. We just don't have that testosterone for that to happen. And I lifted more and more and more and I just got smaller and smaller and smaller. And it was, again, I had to fuel myself more and more. And when I talk about that fuel, you know, you can talk to a nutrition nutritionist about those foods, but we do know what's not good for us. We do know that pop and candy and fried foods, you know, are not good for us. And I always just say, if you're going to do something be all in, be all in. It doesn't mean be all in and not eat because you're going to run out of fuel and you'll make it about a fourth of the way to your final destination. Mm -hmm. Be all in as far as that fuel self-check. Don't go to Circle K and don't shop in the convenience store for the things that you expect to get you to your, to your dream or to your goal, but go get that premium fuel. And you have to have fuel. And I'm, you know, there's a personal example in my life. My dad, um, he was sent home last year with six months to live and he was on heavy doses of oxygen. And I want to say six months, it was six weeks. And um, long story short, he's, he's still alive and he has some oxygen needs. He's not on it full time, 
But I'm like, dad, don't, don't ever feel like having oxygen is something that you can be too proud of. I mean, that is your fuel. So if you're, if you have oxygen, it doesn't mean you're weak at all. That's just a different way of getting fuel. You're not producing it yourself. You've got to find a way to get that oxygen so you can stay strong, so you can progress. And, you know, he's been the athlete, the healthy guy, and everyone's like, gosh, you look so young all the time. And all of a sudden he has to walk around with a pack of oxygen so hard for him to transition to that. That's your fuel. That's your premium gas. If you don't take that, you're at Circle K and you're going to have to turn around and come back halfway through your outing and you can't progress. And so I don't know if that's a good example, you know, or not of, of kind of that mind and body. But I think the self check, depending on your role, is so important. And again, bringing your mind back to what's important to you because you're always going to have distractions and people on the outside telling you something different. And, and the person next to you might have a totally different self-check. They might be playing less minutes, more minutes, have different ailments. This is about you. Awesome. I love that because I think that just thinking about not, for example, not eating less, eating better, right? Like not sometimes we have this tendency to go to large extremes and and this has kind of been a theme throughout this, but even in nutrition, in the mental side of game, in the practice side, just those who learn consistency and to be content with the boredom of consistency, whether it's, yes, I know that eating some lean meat and some vegetables and fruit, I know that that's what's good for me. And so I just need to consistently do that and my body will be in the place, get plenty of water, my body will be in the place that it needs to be in to perform. I just need to take a practical approach to working hard, making sure I'm getting the most out of practice and making sure I'm getting up shots, but not being so over the top that now my legs aren't ready for the game that's coming up on Tuesday night. And it's visualizing every day, every game, like someone who will just take these things that you've taught us and be consistent at it, not extreme. overdo it, not extreme, but just build it into your day and be consistent with these things. Over the years, over the months, over the weeks, you're going to find great improvement and steadiness in that way. When we go to extremes, we burn ourselves out and then we aren't doing it. And we think that, man, I guess I didn't work as, as good as I thought it would when it was just you weren't consistent enough with it. For sure. And Chad, Chad, you know, the biggest thing about being boringly consistent is that it just carries over in everything we do in life. I mean, we know sports is the catalyst to preparing us for life's successes, failures, everything. And, and I'm so grateful because it's like the fast track to the highs and lows of what life can bring and learning how to deal with those and, and getting thrown off of our routine and having to come back and getting distracted and having to come back and, and getting beaten down and injured and having to come back and having to fail and fall and, and experience all these things so young and then getting back up, it just makes us that much better along this path. And you look at a lot of athletes, high school that never play college, but their success in college and moving forward because 
they had a commitment. They had a routine. It was a marathon, not a sprint. And every season, every year, they had to consistently be there, show up, go to practice. There was preparation in that for their future. Being an athlete at a young age prepares us for our future. And being boringly consistent, it provides skills, techniques that make you better in your job as a spouse, in your family down the road. And life can be really exciting after sport. It doesn't have to be without adventure and it doesn't have to be without competition. And I actually love it because boringly consistent is who I am <laughs> and who I want to stay. Yeah. And sports is a great avenue to learn to be boringly consistent, which will help you be successful in all the other areas of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ali, thank you. I can't get off this podcast. You know our mission at Especially for Athletes. So I can't get off this podcast without asking what advice you have for a young person who's been inspired to have their eyes up and do the work when they see someone in need and to use their sport light to help other people uh, wants to do that. Do you have any advice that would help them to be that kind of an eyes up, do the work person? If you think that you're having a great experience as an athlete right now, you're not involved in the program, but you're a part of a team and you get little glimpses of what it's like to be a teammate, then having your eyes up and doing the work, being a part of especially for athletes is going to be bring you a greater joy than just being a great athlete yourself. I, I truly feel like my my individual successes was wonderful, but the impact I was able to have on my teammates or on my players once I was a coach is truly what I remember the most and brought the most joy in my life. And you're never too young to start that. And to be the best teammate means being selfless, which also means being a part of this program of having your eyes up, doing the work and seeing what comes back to you. What we put out there comes back tenfold. And I truly believe that. I do too, Allie. Allie, thank you. It's always an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and at our events. You always just share such awesome wisdom. I appreciate you so very much. Thank you so much, Shad. It's my pleasure. I love it. I believe in it fully. And there's not an athlete out there that that wouldn't just thrive being involved. Definitely. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank all of you for joining the Sportlight podcast today. Please like this, share it with those who could benefit from it. And as always, keep your eyes up and do the work. This has been the Sportlight podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book.